Welcome to the first episode of Offbeat Tracks. My name's Max. I'm Danielle. Crap, that rhymed. <laughs> You're gonna have to do okay. it every time now. <laughs> I know. I, know. I said done. that earlier, then I was like, I'm not gonna say that again, yeah, and well. I did. Well, that's okay. Now it's on tape. Uh, Forever. Th- thank you for listening to our little show. Uh, Danielle and I have known each other about 16 years. We we initially bonded over our love of like weird 80s music. Yeah, at a. And a trip to in a bu- France. In a bus in France, it's true. Where yeah. all good things start. Um, and now here we are. We decided, she, she just asked me, you know, like three weeks ago, why aren't we doing a show about weird old music? And I said, I don't have a good answer for that. So let's yeah, do a show about needed, weird old music. Sometimes I just want to talk about it and I have no one to talk <laughs> about it with because no one my age cares. And I'm like, but Max cares. Let's talk about it all the time because I want to talk. I do care a lot. <laughs> and uh, we, we spent a long time deciding uh, what to do for our first episode. But I think once we landed on this topic, it was pretty clear it was the right choice. So uh, we've chosen uh, to do our first episode on Vanity. The late, great, although it still hurts to say late. I know. Uh, the late, great Vanity. I almost just said living legend. And Denise then it, Matthews. Like a knife. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Denise Matthews, her real name, uh, born 1959 in Niagara Falls. Uh, the uh, the Canadian pop princess. Can we yeah. call her that? The true, the original Canadian pop princess. She's not that Canadian. Anne Niagara Murray Falls <laughs> is not that Canadian. I mean, come on. That is true. Yeah. Um, I mean, nor was she. They, well, my, my friend Grant, who is Canadian and loves Vanity more than anyone else in the world and really is kind of responsible for how much I love Vanity, too. Uh, it's it like going to kill both of us for saying that, but it's true. She really yeah. wasn't that Canadian. But they, he does love to claim her, and so does a lot of Canada, I think. Uh, but you're right. She moved to America, I think, when she was 17 or 18 and, and mm-hmm. uh, was modeling and acting. Uh, she was in a few um, weirdo movies. She acted under the name Dee Dee Winters. Yes. Not very re- soap opera name. Not really sure what that's about. Very, very late 70s, early 80s soap opera name. Indeed. And that was exactly the era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, uh, she was in a, a really weird one called Terror Train. Uh, when I managed she, to miss that one, when Max. When she was like 21. <laughs> uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in that. It's like a bunch of high school, maybe college, maybe kids uh, on, on a train getting hacked down by a slasher he didn't really you know in the in the 70s when you wanted to make a horror movie it was like yeah just put a bunch of kids somewhere and have them all get hacked up yeah so, which environment do we need to put the kids in this time right. to get so slashed. this time it was a train and a terror train and she was in it as dd winters good stuff vanna train the vanna train they should have called it the vanna train they could have done well, a blu-ray reissue as vanna train you still can give me the credit uh, <laughs> all right we need to write a letter <laughs> um <laughs> so uh 1980 Denise goes to the American Music Awards somehow. I don't know what, what she was doing at the American Music Awards, but mm-hmm. uh, she meets Prince, and the rest is history. There it is. <laughs> Podcast uh, over. Prince, have a nice day. <laughs> Prince uh, immediately infatuated with her, and I mean, you would have been too. Gorgeous. I, I certainly would have been. She was so beautiful. I mean, so beautiful. Just the 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 most gorgeous specimen of human being that a person could possibly imagine. Perfect, perfect face. Prince already has this idea in his head of putting together a girl group, and he meets Denise and says, that's it. It's done deal. Yeah, I mean, he already had a girl group kind of together that was centered around his girlfriend, Susan Moonsey, member of Vanity Six. Yes. So I don't know exactly how that went down. (laughs) I've never uh, read anything. Susan, uh, (laughs) I kind of met this other girl. Is that your Prince voice? (laughs) Who who might be better at the front? I don't know. I can't do a Prince voice. Yeah, I know. I I might be better at the front than you. uh, So, uh, yeah, Prince was always very deliberate when he in his. Gotta have him love on me. That's (laughs) That's exactly what he said. (laughs) Um, So, so Susan kind of gets shoved off to the side a little bit, and and Denise at the forefront, and they had this other girl, Brenda who was like, um, you know, the, the, the tough one. 
and uh, they the Vanity Six. Th- this was the group. Um, mm-hmm. Although um, he originally Vanity was not the first name he came up with for Denise. Uh, he <laughs> originally wanted to call her Vagina. <laughs> I did not know that. Spelled Ooh. spelled like you think it would be spelled. Like the name, yeah, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. but pronounced Vagina. And and young Denise had the foresight to say, you know, I don't think any disc jockey is ever going to say this. Uh, so maybe let's go with Vanity. Calm down, Prince. Like, maybe later. <laughs> and you were telling yeah. me an interesting story about why he yeah. did Vanity. I did not know this. Yeah, he actually named her Vanity. Uh, well, obviously, after the first name didn't work out. Very close. <laughs> um, he named her Vanity because he felt that they were so alike, that she and him were so alike, that it was like looking at himself in a mirror. It's very so interesting. She was vanity, and I think that uh, this this Vanity Six record. So this is 1982. Prince has this group together. Uh, she is credited as the sole writer on the album, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. As yeah. this was very Prince clearly, lets that like, happen yeah. all the time. Prince Prince has written. Uh, you, Prince very clearly wrote wrote the uh, yeah the guy the who album. writes but, uh, produces uh, and, everything. And actually, I should say I don't know that she has the sole writer credit on the whole record, but on the first single, "Nasty Girl," definitely is credited as written by Vanity. Yeah, I mean, like, let's talk about Prince. Plays every instrument on his record, writes everything, produces yeah. everything. Wouldn't even get a, wouldn't even take a recording contract when he was fifteen because they wouldn't let him produce his own music. Yeah, he's gonna let Vanity do all that. That's right. I'm Um, so, Nasty Girl's the first single, um, just absolutely killer song, very much obviously a Prince song, but this is kind of the first time we ever see Prince, uh, Prince's ability to write for female artists and write oh, yeah. as if he were a woman, Oh yeah, which he I would mean, explore very much later on in his career with Sheena Easton and, and Jill Jones, who's going to come up later. Oh yeah, I mean, like, I read something after he died, someone wrote an article about how great of a songwriter he was, especially for women. Um, because in a way, it's a lot of men will write songs for women. That's not unusual. However, he was able to make it sound like it was coming from a woman, which is incredibly rare. So, I mean, you see that a lot on, on Nasty Girl, on later on Manic Monday. Yes, that. Manic Monday, which uh, was, I, I always forget this, was originally recorded as a demo by Apollonia. Mm. I think it was, it was Apollonia 6, right? Not a not. I, Apollonia because I don't know if it was Apollonia 6 or just Apollonia. I think it was Apollonia 6, which is what Vanity 6 would become once Vanity left. But we'll discuss that later uh, in greater detail. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, but their their version is tragic. I think we should probably like drop a clip of it here. It's uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not... It's pretty awful. It's not that bad because worth. Prince is more involved, <laughs> but I mean, it's... It's definitely a Prince song. It's no Susanna. No, it's no Susanna. Um, so Vanity Six, this first album, 1982, Nasty Girl, first single, uh, does not chart. Um, I, I don't know if it was because it didn't get a proper commercial release or no airplay release. It probably was a no airplay release would be my guess, but did not chart on the 100. They did not have a hit on this record at all. And, um, but they did shoot a surprising number of music videos for it. I think there are music videos for at least three or four of these songs. Oh yeah. And I mean, you have to think too about 1982 Prince is big he's been out there a while but he's not a huge star yet he's very true he's just releasing 1999 which makes him a big star which right. gives you more attention to vanity six at the time Correct. he's touring with vanity six 
it was it was with Vanity Six and with the Time mm-hmm. because the Time are the uh, were the they were the instruments on the Vanity Six album. Mm-hmm. I mean, she readily admits that in interviews, and we're going to put all kinds of Vanity interviews, by the way, on the on the page for this episode on our website, which is offbeattrackscast.com. That's true. Um, she readily admits the time did the music for this album, and that was the tour. You would, when you go on the tour, you would see Vanity Six, and they would perform in front of this big screen with the time playing behind the screen. <laughs> then the time would do their set, and then Prince would do his set. It's all about presentation, but like anybody really would care. Right. But, you know, it's Prince. You know, the old age-old question, if you could go back at any time and see any group, that, that would be my answer. That would be up there. Yeah. I'd have to look at a list, but that would be <laughs> a pretty awesome show. So uh, one of the next videos they shot, or one of the other videos, rather, they shot on this album, uh, Drive Me Wild, which is such a fantastic song. And I think something that is so cool about this album is that it does spotlight each of the girls individually. It really does allow them to develop a personality where Vanity was the sultry front woman. Susan Moonsey was kind of the the Lolita type, the younger girl. And then Brenda was like the tough chain-smoking badass. Queen Brenda. I love Brenda. Yes, Indeed, Brenda is the queen. Drive Me Wild, very much a Susan Moonsey song. She's at the front. Um, the video version is like twice the length of the album cut, but it really just like plays the whole song as an instrumental and then goes back and like oh, yeah. plays the album because it's very kind of strange. But uh, yeah, great track. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I love, uh, I love, I love the Susan Moonsey one. Look at me, I'm a Cadillac. I'm a brand new convertible child. I've never been driven, baby, you're the first Come on, baby, try me wild The Foo Fighters actually did a cover of this song. See, I've only read about this. I haven't actually heard it. Yes. I well, don't know what it could possibly sound like. <laughs> We're going to drop a little clip of that right here. No, it's good. good stuff. Yeah, I have no idea why Dave Grohl and his friends decided to uh, to cover "Drive Me Wild," but maybe it like came on. Maybe it came on Pandora <laughs> well, actually, or something. Wait, I do know it's a great song. That's why they decided to go. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it came on Pandora before, and they were like, "Hey guys, let's do this." It's in your head. It's very catchy. <laughs> so talking about how each of the girls kind of got a showcase, and "Drive Me Wild" sort of the Susan showcase. I think definitely where where we see the most Brenda on the record is the track "If a Girl Answers, Don't Hang Up." Sassy. And this is also, of course, where we get the Prince guest appearance, the one that made it onto the album. We'll get to the, more on that later. But this is uh, the, the one Prince guest appearance that made it onto the album, and, and it's the Brenda song. And this is Vanity, like, calling and saying she's going to call and see what Jimmy's doing tonight. And Brenda says, hey, if a girl answers, don't hang up. I want to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Just talk about it. That's what she says. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, the girl answers, and it's played by Prince, and... Uh, yeah, they, they get into a little bit of a spat, and then Brenda grabs the phone and kind of drives her into the ground. One of the rare moments, I think, in Prince's career where he was willing to be, like, the loser, the well, submissive one. Because, I mean, yeah. Probably but he loves that, though. He loves that kind of, like, back-and-forth intrigue. He does it in a lot of oh, his yeah. songs. He loves that kind of, like, humorous dialogue. He loves it. It's part of it. It's beautiful for him. He does. And that would resurface in, in an unreleased track that we're going to talk about later again, but um, good stuff. I think this album also runs the gamut from kind of sultry 
to like very sweet kind of teenage dream type songs when you were oh yeah like he's so dull which is my favorite one he's so dull is beautiful girly pop song it is so girly love it especially when you put it next to you know like nasty girl right it's completely different but i mean it's a very beautifully just bubbly pop song and it it's still kind of smart though it's still smart it's not your dumb bubbly pop song which is what makes it so good and it just it will get in my head for a week Maybe we shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> I need to get things done, Max. <laughs> and even in these songs that are kind of supposed to be the girlier, um, goofy songs, there's still definite sexuality. Wet oh, yeah. Dream. I mean, Wet Dream is very, you know, like, I have a crush on this boy in my class, but he's the star of my wet dreams. I mean, what mm-hmm. what person, especially what woman, was singing about wet dreams in 1982? I mean, not not in public, they weren't. Indeed. But that's what Prince is for, man. Any other final notes on this album before we move on in, in Vanity's career? I mean, I, the rest of the songs are, are what they are. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's a pretty... Album cuts here and there. I don't really love Three Times Two Equals Six. I think it's kind of a weak closer, but... Yeah, I get you there. I mean, I, I love He's So Dull, and I wish that more people knew it. So if anyone takes anything from this, let's talk about <laughs> He's So Dull and play it at parties, and maybe someone can do a really awesome cover of it and make it cool. I guess now, we before moving on in her career chronologically, now would be a good time to talk about the two unreleased tracks, because there were two tracks that were mm-hmm. cut from this Vanity 6 album. And I mentioned earlier that there, there was one Prince guest appearance that made it onto the album. The one that did not, unfortunately, is a brilliant song called Vibrator. This song can be found anywhere. We will we'll link it in the... Um, the blog post for this episode, but uh, if you've never heard Vibrator before, oh my goodness. I just heard it for the first time the other day, and after hearing it, I loved it so much that I listened to it probably on repeat for about an hour. Yeah, that's it's what so happens. It's so good. It it's is, and so it's, good. it's like seven or eight minutes long. I mean, it's a really long song, and I would have to assume that the length was probably the only reason it was chopped from the album. I don't know what other possible reason there could and have it's been. That's possible, even though I feel like... I feel like Prince does not care about the links on an album. <laughs> well, I mean, true. it might have been a real time constraint. <laughs> Maybe. Thing, um, also worth noting, uh, as we would discuss later, um, <clears throat> when Vanity kind of abandoned her musical career, uh, right around the same time, Prince's album, uh, I believe it was called Come, came out. Mm. This was 1994. Um, Prince used some vocal samples from the song Vibrator that Vanity had recorded in 1982, and he put them on a song on that album called Orgasm. Yep. And okay. he credited her in the vocals only as She Knows. How oh, shady is that? That is awesome. <laughs> I did not know that. I mean, as soon as you mentioned what song that was, I was like, I know what part of Vibrator that came from. Indeed. Um, wow, She Knows. Because my new love treats me like a queen. So, um, there's one other unreleased Vanity 6 track, and I'm only calling it sort of unreleased because much like Manic Monday, it would surface later for another arf- uh, artist, rather. Uh, that's the song G-Spot. 
So Prince wrote G-Spot, and this, it, you want to talk like totally a Prince song. This is a, this is straight up a Prince song. I mean, okay. he, does, he doesn't even try to hide what a Prince song it is. And uh, this um, later, of course, was recorded by Jill Jones. Her version is fantastic. It's very, very, very similar to, to Vanity Six's version, uh, but they did it first, so worth noting. Yeah, worth noting. Don't forget it. Jill. Take that, Jill. So the Vanity Six album is out. This is we're in 1982 now. The stages of Purple Rain are are Purple Rain rather is in the planning stages, and uh, Vanity has a part written for herself in this movie as the female lead and she decides she wants nothing more to do with this um again probably a combination of factors financial and personal and otherwise I mean, she said once and this is like i think the most ever in detail she went into about it um she said that she needed someone who could love only her but prince could never do that mm. so i mean interesting which if you think about prince I never heard that, but I 100% believe that again. If you think about Prince and like, his reputation with the ladies, um, it's not that unbelievable. No, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, I get where she's coming from. I don't, you know. Sure. Yeah, so that's probably what happened. <laughs> so Vanity says, deuces, I'm gone. Leaves the set of Purple Rain, leaves the Vanity 6 project, all of that, leaves it all behind. And immediately, almost immediately, is scooped up by Motown Records, who had star power and um or saw that she had star power Mm -hmm. rather and uh gave her an album deal two album deal so um fast forward now i think two years i believe it was 1984 and uh her debut solo album comes out it's called wild animal um that she is (laughs) that she certainly is uh i don't know i mean um again she gets writer credits on this more believable, I think, for sure, than the writer credits she got on, on the Vanity Six record. Mm-hmm. But all the writing credits are for her and some dude named Bill Wolfer. Bill Wolfer <laughs> is the man. I don't know who he is, but he's he, the like, man. He, like, I guess, did all the music on this and, and is was, like, co-writing these songs with her. I have no idea who Bill Wolfer is. Bill, if you hear this and you would like to contact he us. He sounds cool. We would love to hear from you. Because yeah, Bill, I feel like you have some things to say. <laughs> we have questions. <laughs> um Namely, how did you come up with, uh, you know, this album of greatness? Also, is Wolfer your real last name? Like, is it like Wolfer? And did she like name one it? who wolfs? <laughs> and was the album Wild Animal because you are in fact a wolf? Ooh, these are all questions that we yes, need indeed. answered right now, Bill. Hashtag where is Bill Wolfer? Hashtag. Uh, so anyway, uh, not to get off on a Bill Wolfer tangent, but uh, the first uh, single from this record is called Pretty Mess. Um, I don't know, pretty standard. 80s dance pop, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a lot of the girly songs that were out at about the same time. But still with Vanity's, I would say, signature sexuality. Yeah, it does have um, some things in the lyrics. You made a pretty mess all over my dress. Yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> I don't know what that means. It could mean a lot of things, however. I think you know what it means. Yeah, I'm just, I'm leaving it open to interpretation, Max. So 
So Pretty Mess does not do very well in the Hot 100. She doesn't really have a pop hit with it. It does crack the top 100. It peaks at number 75. Um, is sort of a hit on the dance and R&B charts. It's number 13 dance, number 15 R&B. So still enough to definitely, you know, for them to see her as a semi-success. Mm-hmm. So they drop a second single from this record, Mechanical Emotion, which uh, to me harkens way more to the Prince-esque stuff that she was doing on the previous record. Oh, yeah. They do that a lot on this whole record. I mean, there's still... It's not completely Prince like Vanity 6 was by any means. Right. But it's still there because everyone is still connecting her with Prince. Right. And so I, I think they realize that and they don't want her to do a complete right. I could. I totally agree. I, I don't think they want to d- d- divorce her from that sound entirely. I completely agree. And, that's all, and that sound was still incredibly popular at the time. Yes. So why would you want to? And, you know... <laughs> So, a wild animal itself um, peaks at number sixty-two. The album on the on the the top two hundred does not do very well, but um, her album deal goes along, and uh, she she releases two years later the album Skin on Skin, which I think strayed even further from the Prince sound. You made an interesting comparison to another pop star. Yeah, I mean, to me, whenever I hear like when I hear Wild Animal, I still hear a lot of Prince. Like it's, For that sure. still is very Prince. If you didn't know better, you would think she was still working with Prince on a lot of it. But to me, that next album, which I think was what, 86? 86, maybe? yep. 86. To me, it's, sounding, it's starting to sound more Michael Jackson. It's making, like whenever I hear that album, <laughs> I, so think, I think it sounds like the Bad album, even though it was a year before Bad came out. But I mean, that's where music was trending at the time. And then, you know, Michael Jackson comes in and says, this is mine forever. Is what it usually does, but I mean, whenever I hear that, it's a, com- it's not a complete switch, but it's you can see the movement, if you will. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. mean, she's growing as an artist more, and I, I definitely believe that as her career went on into this album, she was getting more creative control. She was writing more of these songs, being more involved in the production. I'm sure. Um, I don't know. It didn't even occur to me to check the liner notes. So I'm gonna see if Bill Wolfer has any credits on this. The great Bill Wolfer. Oh no, no Bill Wolfer on this oh. one. I know. Do you think they blamed him for the first <laughs> album not being? This was this was two guys named Skip Drinkwater and Tommy Farragher. Farragher. So, yeah, yeah, no, no I'm Wolfer. interested in Bill. Do you think? <laughs> no, yeah, we got we need Bill Wolfer. Hashtag where's Bill? Wolfer? I bet they blamed Bill Wolfer and then they fired him. <laughs> so I bet he needs to come up here Poor and clear his name. He was probably just some studio musician for Bill. Come on the podcast and clear your name. Um, I feel like I'm glad you have this isn't a real radio. Can you imagine if this were real radio and someone were tuning in right now and hearing us talk about Bill? Wolfer? They'd be, who is Bill Wolfer? Like I'm supposed to know who that is. Um, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, maybe so, we, someone would get to talk to Bill Wolfer and get these things cleared up. How that's about right. That? So, um, Vanity's first single off of Skin on Skin is my favorite of all of her solo stuff. It's called Under the Influence. Just a brilliant, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. And so funny to me that you you say. Michael Jackson, because to me, this was the closest Prince to, to all the Prince stuff that she ever did. I get, I get I that mean, in a was, way. This was totally a throwback to the to the Vanity Six era, I think. I, I think so in a way. I'm thinking more of like the production value of it, the way that the beats really hit to me on that record. Mm-hmm. It's very bad. Like it reminds me of Speed Demon on the Bad Album. Do you know who co-wrote Under the Influence with her? Bill Wolfer. Nope. <laughs> no, if only Robbie Neville. Oh, wow. Yes, Mr. Say La Vie himself. 
He pops up in the weirdest places, <laughs> that Robbie. Yes. He ain't worth it. The boy ain't worth it. <laughs> Hashtag Robbie Neville jokes. <laughs> Wait, was that Robbie Neville? Who, who was uh, uh, she? Uh, ain't she, worth it. Was uh, Glenn Medeiros. Oh, that was, that was Glenn Medeiros. Glenn Medeiros no, they're practically interchangeable. Bobby. I mean, come on. I mean, they really. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine. Where's Glenn Medeiros? Has anyone ever seen Robbie Neville and Glenn Medeiros in the same room together? I'm not sure. If they did, that would have been one hell of a concert. What if they're out to dinner with uh, Bill Wolfer right now? <laughs> maybe they know where Bill Wolfer is, or maybe Bill Wolfer knows where they are. L.A. is. This a crazy all comes place, back to right? Bill Wolfer needs to contact this show. Yeah. Email us, Bill. We want to hear from you. Um, my personal favorite cut on, on Skin on Skin is Manhunt. I think Manhunt is just so cool. Um, I, I know uh, Under the Influence is my favorite Vanity solo song overall, but uh, taking this album as a work, Manhunt really sticks out to me. And I, I just, I think it's like, it's everything that I love about her. It's fun. It's sexy. It is really upbeat. Um, shows off her voice. So oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't have... A fantastic voice, but she has a little bit of something. Yeah, she can you sing. know, as long as she gets the right songs, that'll you know, that's really everybody that's who right. people call a good singer. You just have to get the right songs. Taylor Swift, I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> the shade. <laughs> sorry, 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 Bill above. Um, but Yeah, no, it's a it's a great album for that. Manhunt's a great album for that. I mean, it's just it's well produced. wasn't popular, but it's well produced. It's good quality dance music that should have been more popular. I gotta say, uh, the weakest track for me on Skin on Skin is the song Animals. I don't really know why that's there. I think it's cheesy. I hate the call and return where they spell out animal. I just I don't know. Good morning, class. I just yeah, I don't. I don't I don't love it either. I'm but not I, feeling that song. I, I just, before I'm like too harsh on it, I just feel <laughs> like whenever I listen to like a full 80s album, there's always one or two tracks where you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, here? right. What are you doing? Yes. Like Every- the whole rest <laughs> of the album can be fantastic, but it can be, you know, just shut up. Yeah. It's like very- leave it off. There's always one. So it's like, I, I can't be too harsh about that because there are albums I love way more than this album that have tracks way worse than that. And you just have to go with it and just appreciate their vision for what it was. For whatever it was. Whatever Motown's vision was. And they've had a lot of weird visions the last <laughs> 50 years. So, um, so Skin on Skin, yeah, May 24th, 1986 is when this album Ooh. comes out. Uh, Under the Influence uh, is the first single on it. Animals is the unfortunate second single <laughs> she definitely like she still kept with the jungle theme i don't really i mean like the first album wild animal you know very obvious jungle theme this one actually has a song called in kind of, in the jungle to me like she had that kind of animal-esque persona she had like the big wild hair all the time and she would always dance around and kind of rise it just like she was like a little <laughs> wild animal i guess i don't know it just feels very hungry like the wolf and very 1982. But it's not hungry. But it's not hungry like the wolf. It's not hungry like yeah, the wolf. You're that's right. the yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, that is the problem. <laughs> it's in okay the, if it's hungry is, like the wolf. In the jungle, it's definitely not hungry like the wolf. You're right. <laughs> uh, no, I, this is just, you're, you're right. It, it's a collection of just very um, standard of the time kind of R&B pop. 
and, and with with a jungle theme. But it's still it's still all her, and you can tell that she really just loves what she's doing at this point. Oh yeah. Um, this this would be Vanity's last album, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, 1986's Skin on Skin. Uh, she would only ever release one more single, and it was from uh, the soundtrack to the movie Action Jackson. It was called Undress. Um, she did. Uh, she like performed the song on. I think it was Soul Train. She did a couple of TV performances oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the song. And, um, so you know, definitely promoted the single. It never charted um, mm. at all, which is just really sad. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, I wasn't really like I was alive at the time, but I wasn't knowledgeable about. It. I wonder if they just didn't promote it very well. I don't know. Well, I mean, it just, Soul it, just, it just was not a successful single. Bad timing, maybe? Yeah, and unfortunately, it would be her last release ever. Um, as far as her personal life at this time, you know, we're 1986. Mm-hmm. By the t- uh, uh, Undress Me uh, was, was 1988. Um, and she's, like, uh, engaged to Nikki Six by mm-hmm. now um, of, of Motley Crue. Uh, very openly admitted, would, would admit later on anyway, that she was engaging pretty heavily in, in drugs. Oh, yeah, and if you knew anything about Nikki Six at that time, that Motley Crue in general was just completely... Whacked out right. on drugs, and she. she like, v- I think Nikki Six. Have you ever seen their behind the music? He like died. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe twice. I know he died once, and he like they brought him back, and he was like okay, and then they released him from the hospital, and then he like went and did more drugs. That's Nikki Six. <laughs> and this is who she was engaged to at the time. Yes. Um. So fast forward to 1994. Uh, Vanity, still calling herself Vanity at this time, uh, experiences total renal failure Mm. as a result, admittedly, of her very heavy drug use, specifically crack cocaine. Uh, Total renal failure, loses both of her kidneys, uh, would have to undergo dialysis every day for the rest of her life after that, um, and has a spiritual awakening, I guess, of sorts, whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah. Totally renounces her whole vanity name, insists that everyone call her Denise again, and uh, becomes this born again Christian. And yeah. that was just all she was interested in for the rest of her life. Yeah, when she had a when she had renal failure, she was in the hospital, and they basically told her she was going to die. Mm-hmm. They were like, "You're you have three days to live," and so she decided to pray. She wasn't irreligious her whole life, but she you know she was decently religious. But so she was praying, and she told she said, "God, if you." Let me live. I will completely change who I am. I will get rid of all of this junk. And she ended up living. So she just completely renounced everything. So interesting. But I mean, I, I sad is the first word that comes oh, to yeah. my mind, honestly. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not picking on her for the religious conversion or whatever. I mean, I guess when you're that low in life, whatever makes you happy, what, you know, makes you happy. But it, it is sad to, to see what she was and then see the person that she became. Yeah. Um, I think um, on, on the episode page for this, uh, we'll post up, um, I think the clearest example of it is to, to watch side by side these two clips of her, one from 1986 where she is on the Joan Rivers show, mm-hmm. very newly talking to Nikki Six slash engaged Nikki Six. Um, I think she did a couple of our senior hall appearances around this time too. Um, and then there was another appearance on Joan Rivers. And to my knowledge, this, this, the 1994 appearance on Joan Rivers was the first uh, media she did after her renal failure and 
religious conversion and, you know, just comes out a completely different person. Still the same gorgeous woman, but comes mm-hmm. out, you know, Bible She's in her fully hand. clothed. Bible yeah. in her hand, gloves on. Uh, please call me Denise. You know, uh, Joan, Joan does introduce her as Vanity, but right when she comes out, please, my name is Denise. Yeah. And uh, it just, she talks about seeing demons and, and this and that. And I mean, just... Sometimes you can tell when, when someone has a problem with addiction and they sort of trade one addiction for another. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's that was probably the case. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for her. It's, just, it's a very conflicted thing for me because I love who she was in the 80s. Yes. I love that. I, I think a lot of people love that who know her. Um, they love that legacy and they love who she was and they love her music and her persona. But I feel like in a way, at that point, she hated that. She hated who she was. She probably hated who she was sitting in that interview when she made that decision. She probably hated that until the day she died. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, I always feel bad whenever I talk about how much I love Vanity or sing a Vanity song or listen to Vibrator right. over and over. <laughs> like, I always feel bad because I'm thinking, oh my God, she would hate this. She wishes that everyone would just forget that this happened. It is a very interesting thing to consider, you know, when an artist, one of these rare instances when an artist divorces themselves from a very beloved work of art. In her case, her entire catalog, mm-hmm. which didn't, you know, that that does not happen often. I mean, you know, you get instances where you've got a band like Radiohead who has this huge fan base who loves the song Creep and they hate Creep and won't ever play it. But with Vanity, I mean, it's the in, it was the entire thing. And all she ever wanted to do for the rest of her life was talk about religion. And I, yep. if, if I can still find this, I, I, we will post this on, um, on uh, uh, the blog page for this, uh, this episode. But I did see a video sent to me again by my friend Grant, who I mentioned earlier in this episode. Thank you very much for that, Grant. Um, where it was a video taken probably by a family member of her just probably a few months before she died and it was her just kind of walking around her apartment and showing off some stuff that she had you know whatever little apartment or condo she was living in and they even go down to the storage area in one part and she's just oh yeah i got this and such and such and and i don't know i mean she it was not the um person i had grew used to seeing in in post-1994 interviews you know there there was not a uh, a a stoic religious front on her she was just someone's aunt yeah i mean i think I think the thing she kind of took from that, if anything survived with her from the Vanity era, she, she saw herself as having a platform to doing that, which I think is good, and she thought that was good. So I think that's what she was doing in public. She was saying, you know me, so I'm going to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> you know, I, I, mean, I guess that's a good way to look at it. I mean, That's the way I like to look at it, because I, yeah, either way, you know, if, I, if, if it were the other way around, then I would feel really bad about listening to Vanity yeah, as true. much as I do. I don't know. I mean... What's done is done, and what art you've made is out there. And I, I am very thankful for the the wonderful music that she gave us and her her wonderful career. I think she was uh, an excellent uh, role model for women, especially younger women. She was very sex positive, and that was mm-hmm. not something that was common at the time. And um, I, whether she ever realized that in her living life or was proud of that, I, I think that she did do a good thing. And I uh, agree with you. This world was definitely better for have having having had Miss Denise Matthews in it. I agree with you. I just, I just hope that she wasn't just ridden with guilt for like the last twenty-two years of her life. Wouldn't that be awful? <laughs> I hope not. But you know, terrible. seeing that that video that I was just speaking of really did it put me at peace about the whole thing because um, it it just she looked so happy. Good. And and it 
I just I was like, wow, she's just she's I'm gonna have someone's to check out aunt that video. and she's she's happy now. I'm gonna check out that video so I can sleep at night. <laughs> I can sleep at night. So that's our, our wonderful, our first episode of uh, Offbeat Tracks, um, our, our wonderful tribute to Vanity, who we love so much. Thank you, Denise. Thank you, Denise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us all over the internet. OffbeatTracksCast.com is our website. We are on Twitter as well, yeah? Yes, at, at Offbeat Tracks. Yeah. And uh, my name's Max. And I'm Danielle. And we'll be back soon with another episode. See ya. See ya.